Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to The Trader, a traitor's podcast. My name is Matthew and I'm a writer, reality competition TV fanatic and 100% faithful. Promise. The Trader is a deep dive into each episode of the riveting reality TV show that has us all hooked, The Traitors. Beginning with the most recent US version of the show, streaming now on Peacock and BBC. If you are a newcomer to The Traitors, A, welcome to The Trader podcast. B, it's a bit weird that you started with the second episode. And C, you should probably go back to episode one to listen to my explanation of the premise of the show, The Traitors. Last time, we plunged like a knife in the back into episode one with my fantastic guest, Sanji Lago. This episode will head right on into episode two of The Traitors US. However, before I do, it's time for a new segment, TT News. In TT News, I'll tell you about any updates and developments on the show, as well as feedback from the previous episode. Now, first up, the Dutch creator of the original version of The Traitors in the Netherlands, Mark Post, gave an interview to Variety magazine, and you can read that online. Uh, it's a really interesting interview, and one of the most sort of standout things about it is how Post says that nobody was really interested in buying the show at all, and it took a lot of hard work to convince people that this was something people would want to see. Um, he says in the interview, nobody wanted to have it over here. And he's talking about the UK when he says that. Now it's like this romantic success story, and yet no one wanted it back then. But I continued doing tests, pilots, and kept believing in it. And when we finally created this series in the Netherlands, it became a hit. He goes on to say, well, normally when you create this kind of programme like The Mole, which is a Netflix uh, programme, it's a sort of guessing game for viewers who have to find out who The Mole is. But in the case of The Traitors, viewers know right away who The Traitors are. People at TV channels kept telling me that if I know who The Traitors are, there's no point. 
But as it turns out, if you produce a show in a good manner, then it becomes a success everywhere. And that's something that I might talk to guests on the podcast about, the idea that the audience knows immediately who the traitors are. It's not a secret from us. Um, and whether or not, well, it obviously does work because the show's a hit. Um, but some people still question, I've, I've read people online still saying that they think it wouldn't would work better if we didn't know who the traitors were. So that might be something good to talk about with guests. Next piece of TT news is from Scott Bryan on Twitter. Now, Scott Bryan is a journalist, a TV critic, a podcaster for the BBC, uh, and a big fan of the traitors. Um, he's been tweeting about it a lot recently. And Scott Bryan tweeted something just a few days ago uh, that was really exciting for traitors fans. He said... Last week I asked Stephen Lambert, who runs the company that makes The Traitors, about the possibility of the BBC making a second series. He said they have certainly said they're very interested in it. We just need to get into conversations about it. So that sounds really promising. I'd be surprised if there wasn't a second series because it's been so successful. So I'm sure that news of a, of a new series being commissioned is on its way. Similarly, there have been various rumours online, and they are only rumours at this point, that the BBC is seriously considering buying the Traitors Australia to broadcast here, just as they bought the Traitors US. Now, uh, the Traitors Australia was shown in Australia in October 2022, and... A couple of weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have taken this very seriously. However, because a few things have happened in the past couple of weeks, like the BBC buying the Traders US and it appearing very suddenly, and the fact that the BBC in the past week have released uh, download numbers and streaming numbers for the Traders UK, 28 million people have streamed and it was this sort of second most watched uh, program over the Christmas period. So it's been a huge hit. It's been really successful for the BBC. In addition, the BBC have a history of this. One example would be RuPaul's Drag Race. The BBC began with a UK version of the American TV show. However, they've since bought Canada's Drag Race and Drag Race Down Under, and they've both been shown very several seas seasons of those have been shown online. So the fact that the BBC have a history of doing this when they see an opportunity for a successful programme does make me think the Traitors Australia coming to the BBC could be a reality soon. To finish off TT News, we have a bit of feedback from the first episode of the podcast last week. And I promise this is not just feedback from my pals. Colin on Facebook listened to the first episode uh, in which I mentioned that the concept of the traitors has now been bought by 20 different countries. Colin reacted to that saying, wow, we're not going to get much sleep, guys. Colin, if all 20 of these come to fruition, you're absolutely right. Uh, and Douglas on Instagram commented uh, saying, great listen, thumbs up. And you can also follow The Trader on Instagram at The Trader Podcast. And we're now on Twitter as well. At Twitter, it's at The Trader Pod. It's almost time to dive right into episode two of The Traders US. But before I do that, it's time to introduce my guest. The guest for this episode of The Trader is me. Yep, who needs a guest when I could talk about the traitors for hours on my own? Now, don't worry, next episode we do have a great guest lined up. Next time we have a board game, gameplay and traitors expert to talk to us about episode 3. 
And in addition, if you've been checking out the Trade Our Podcast Instagram page, you might have noticed a particular Michael Davidson and Christian Delator. Yep, that is Michael and Christian from the Traders US commenting on the Trade Our Podcast page. And they are both really keen to come onto the podcast and talk to me. So keep your eye out on the Instagram page for that and keep listening to the podcast. Now I'm not I'm not saying I want you to troll them. I'm not saying that. But if you wanted to give them a nudge, send them a little message, encourage them to come on the podcast, I'm not going to stop you. That's all I'm saying. Now, because we don't have a guest this week, I'm going to have to play the Trader Traitor on my own. Well, not on my own, with you. So you are part of the game this week. The Trader Traitor is a game within a podcast about a game. My goal throughout the rest of this episode from here on in is to tell one lie to you. Now this lie will be a fabrication or a made up fact. It won't be a fake opinion. For example, I will not tell you I don't like a contestant, but actually I do like them. That's rubbish. At the end of the episode, you this time will have to guess what was my lie? What was my fabrication? What did I say during the Trader podcast that was completely made up? At the end of the episode, I want you to put your traitor hunting skills to the test. Send me a message on Instagram at the Trader Podcast or Twitter at the Trader Pod, or you can email the Trader Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what do you think was my lie. And I will tell you in the next episode, episode three, what that lie was and whether or not anybody was correct. Okay, let's get to it. Episode two of the Traitors US. Here we go. Episode 2 begins at breakfast. Now, the previous night when we left episode 1, the traitors were discussing who they were going to murder first and their options were Kate, Brandy and Reza. And this morning at breakfast, Brandy is in the first group of contestants who arrive at breakfast. So we know that she's safe already. So we're obviously down to Reza and Kate. Those are our two options. Now Brandy becomes increasingly anxious about Kate not arriving because Brandy and Kate obviously get on really well. They're, they're friends, but they've also got a little alliance there which could serve them well in the game. And as the contestants arrive, we get down to our last person. Kate is the last person to arrive and it becomes obvious that Reza has been murdered. At this point, we see a flashback. We go back to the traitors and their discussion the night before and we see why they picked Reza. They discuss, they, they realise that Reza was a really strong character and that if, you know, he would probably be quite good at influencing other players. So if he at any point was on to one of the traitors, he'd be really good at gathering up votes from everybody else. So they decide, too strong, too big, got to go. So... Pretty brutal, Reza is out immediately. Now, I have a bit of a theory. Because I have watched a lot of Traders now, I have seen, at this point, almost all of the US season. I've gone a bit further ahead. I've seen the UK season. I've seen the Australian season. I have noticed something. Uh, if I was now a player on the Traders, having seen other series... I think there's a there's a bit of a trick. I think there is a way to figure out who is definitely a faithful. So because of the structure of the programme, stick with me. This is a good theory. It works out. It's just a little bit complicated. Because the producers want to create lots of tension 
every morning at breakfast, we're, we we were left wondering who's going to be murdered, who's going to be last to arrive at breakfast, and we're always given this sort of dilemma between two faithfuls who potentially are about to be killed off. In this case, it was Reza and Kate, so we know that one of them is not going to appear. And the producers of the programme leave one of those two as the last person to walk into breakfast. Therefore, if you were pretty canny and you figured out that's how the producers were creating the show for the sake of the audience, if you were a player sitting at breakfast, you ought to figure out that the last person to walk through the door every morning must be a faithful. Does that make sense? So the last person to walk through the door has deliberately been kept until last for the sake of the audience because the audience are waiting to find out who's going to be murdered. Therefore, the producers don't leave traitors to be the last person who walks in unless the episode is slightly different because it's an episode where maybe there have been no murders or there's been a recruitment. That hasn't happened yet in this season, obviously. But that's something that's happened in the UK season. It's bound to happen in this season at some point. That's my theory. I think it works. What do you think? Let me know if that makes sense. I haven't heard anyone else saying this. Do you agree with me? Now, we realise that Reza has been murdered. Kate is back. And suspicions begin very, very quickly. There are suspicions of Michael because apparently Michael had a bit of tension during the mission in the previous episode. So because Michael and Reza sort of butted heads a little bit, some people immediately think, oh, Michael must be a traitor. Michael is the one that got rid of Reza. Seems a bit obvious to me, but that's the first thing that people seem to come up with. There also start to become suspicions of Geraldine very quickly. And it's all based on the way that Geraldine behaved after the selection process, after the after Alan chose who the traitors were going to be and everybody had their blindfolds on and then they took their blindfolds off, several people seemed to have noticed that Geraldine was avoiding eye contact and behaving a little bit surreptitiously and awkwardly perhaps. This is a recurring theme in the traitors uh, and this is no spoilers. In the Australian season, something very similar happens. Uh, after the selection process, at the very first round table, lots of contestants pick up on one other player who seems to be behaving awkwardly as soon as they take their blindfolds off. Whether or not they're accurate, it's something that everybody seems to pay attention to. So Michael seems to be a suspect straight away. Geraldine is a suspect straight away. We move on and we start to see the discussions around the house. So the contestants are breaking off into their little groups. They're talking about their thoughts of the murder. Again, the Geraldine chatter is building slowly. What I noticed during this section as well is the tags that appear on the screen. So when we have contestants interviews to camera and their name appears and either the reality show that they were on or uh, their job... Again, we're reminded very much that this is a sort of celebrity and civilian series of the show. But it also reminds me of the kind of pointlessness of that. We talked about this uh, in episode one with Sanjay, how it seems a very kind of... We, we understand why there are celebrities in this, because we the, the producer they want ratings, they want people to tune in for um, figures and personalities that they recognise from other reality shows. 
However, I still don't know why they didn't just do a 100% celebrity cast. Why the 50-50 split? Because it never becomes a mechanism in the game. It, it isn't used for anything. You know, it doesn't it doesn't play into any official gameplay or or any rules. So it, it it feels a bit arbitrary. Why not just have them all celebrities? I'm not sure. If if I'm missing something very obvious, please get in touch and tell me. Tell me what you think. Now, after we've had discussions, we move on to the mission for the episode. The mission this episode is the Buried Alive mission. Again, we've seen this in the UK season, so this is quite familiar to a lot of viewers. But this is pretty scary, actually. I, some of the, some of them have to volunteer, and maybe they don't really know what they're volunteering for at first. Uh, but some of the players are going to be buried alive, really genuinely. It's not trickery. We can see them being dug up from the ground. Okay, it's not that deep, but... You know, still pretty claustrophobic looking, even if you don't think you've got claustrophobia. I wonder what, what would you rather do? Would you rather be buried or would you rather run around and solve the riddles and have the maps? I'm kind of thinking from a very lazy perspective, at least being buried alive, you don't need to do much. You kind of just have to lie there and (laughs) contend with your thoughts and contend with the thumping sounds when they start to chuck the dirt onto the box. Other than that, you, you kind of just have to lie there and talk into your radio. Running around, solving the riddles, that that actually seems a bit more stressful. That seems like the pressure is on you to solve this and to earn the money. Uh, at this point in the mission, Kate is giving us classic reality TV. Uh, she's hilarious. She's very much unbothered by all of it. Uh, arms folded, shades on. Kate in her shades seems to, be, seems to have become a bit of a low-key... Uh, internet meme um she's got the sort of leather trousers on the knee-high boots uh she is not interested in taking part at all which is very funny for us very annoying for the contestants i'm sure what i've also noticed about the challenges is they're they're tense in a way and they're exciting we're working against a timer we're trying to build money we're in different teams but the tension of that only goes so far you know, I don't know if we're ever really utterly gripped on the edge of our seat. However, I think that's very clever. I think it's clever of the programme makers to have a mission that is sort of fun and exciting, but not incredibly tense, because it then emphasises the much more palpable tension we feel later in the episode. The real tension in The Traitors is at the round table, right? That's, that's the climax of every episode. And... I think it works because the mission earlier on pales in comparison. So it was fun, it was exciting, Uh, yeah, there was a timer counting down. But I think that only serves as a foil for the real tension that's to come later. So I do think it works. I know some people don't really like the missions, some people kind of actually just skip ahead from the missions and don't think they're important. But I, I do think it adds to the overall building excitement of the episode. What is also really funny about this mission is, even though Kate cannot be bothered, Brandy is unexpectedly really into it. Uh, she's she's running about, she's buzzing. She, Brandy's having a great time with this. Quite unexpected, I thought. Now, uh, they do fairly well with the challenge. They don't get Stephanie out in time. 
And I suppose this maybe disproves my theory from last week. If you listened to the last episode uh, when I was talking to my guest Sanjay, I theorised that the timers are fake. There, yeah, I said it. I said that it was fake. I said that TV lied to us and that they're not really being timed and Alan doesn't really count down to one and then they win the challenge at the last moment. Because here they do run out of time. They, they don't get the coffin open in time and get Stephanie out. So maybe that does prove there is a real timer Alan really is counting them down. Okay, I, 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 maybe I take it back what I said last week. At the end of the mission, they raise $20,000, which means in total, by the end of episode two, the prize fund is already at $50,000. That is a lot of money after only two episodes. So, you know, no wonder the stakes are high. No wonder it gets tense. The people do want to win this. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. After the mission... We have some more discussions. We're building up to the banishment ceremony. We're building up to the round table. And there are more suspicions flying around. Uh, Andy immediately suspects Christian, which is obviously worrying for the traitors because Christian is a traitor. She thinks he's so loudmouthed. There's something quite obvious about him. He, he stands out. Maybe he's trying to cover up too much. And Siri is also mentioned as a suspect at one point. Again, this is not good for the traitors if in episode two, people are already picking out their names. However, let's be real. We are at the mercy of the editors. Probably every contestant's name is mentioned by someone at some point. The TV makers are deliberately picking out clips of traitors' names being suggested. So, so you know, we're being manipulated to an extent. We're being shown just moments of, of players mentioning traitors' names, but but they're probably mentioning everybody at some point. So we've got to bear that in mind. Um, again, we're starting to see lots of splitting off into small groups. So very, very quickly, we have sort of whispering. We have people going off in their little friendship groups and alliances. We don't have everybody sitting in one room at the same time discussing. And I suppose that's what the round table is for. Speaking of which, let's get to it. The round table. What I love is Alan at this point. Alan comes in with a little bit of Shakespeare. Fair is foul and foul is fair. I've not I noticed this in episode one as well. They're really playing up the Macbeth Scotland connection. Obviously because it's set in Scotland, obviously because Alan is Scottish. And Alan coming uh several years ago in the UK performed a 
there was a production of Macbeth starring Alan Cumming and, and it was I saw it in Glasgow Alan Cumming played every single part he memorised the entire play of Shakespeare really really incredible performance really impressive thing for an actor to do so I guess maybe Alan had a bit of input here maybe Alan said hey we're in Scotland I know Shakespeare I know the whole play Macbeth off by heart I'm going to use some lines from it and he does that as the series goes on and I really like it Macbeth is my favourite Shakespeare so I really appreciate all these little references. Now, the discussions begin at the round table. Uh, Cody and Christian get things going immediately and the fingers point right to the people who were discussed at breakfast, Geraldine and Michael. What I think it's really fascinating for us as viewers to see Faithfuls being accused for the most arbitrary or the most sort of general reasons some people are people are accused of being a traitor just for their personality traits so everyone seems to think Geraldine is a traitor because she is quiet and at the selection process in the first episode looked nervous that's the reasoning for everyone to pile on her you looked kind of shifty you weren't giving me eye contact you must be a traitor on the other hand Michael becomes the focus because He's quite sort of manic, he's quite loud-mouthed, he seems to um, change his opinions about things, he really stands out. He defends himself, he says, well, he's just anxious, he's awkward, he always says the wrong thing around people. Um, I don't know if that, that, I don't know if everybody buys that. Um, he probably convinces some people, but a lot of them are still gunning for Michael, they, they really don't trust him at all. Again, I talked about this in episode one with my guest Sanji. Traitors don't really have to do much. Um, And because of that, the guessing of who is a traitor is always based on very little. I will retract that a little bit. I said in last week's episode, the traitors don't do anything except meet at night and murder. Okay, that's that's not true. Um, I realise in retrospect, they do have to do more than that. They have to plant false ideas. They have to drop names into conversation. They have to be very good at diverting attention away from themselves. They have to be good at making friendships and making themselves appear likable. So, okay, when I said traitors don't actually have to do anything, I was exaggerating a little bit. However, there still isn't a formulaic prescriptive thing that the traitors must do except pick someone to murder. That is their only actual task in the game. Everything else they choose to do as a tactic is completely up to them. It's completely up to those players. So it makes it fascinating and funny and terrifying what theories other players come up with, what theories the faithfuls come up with for selecting who they think a traitor is. Again, they seem to just pick personality traits. They pick people that they don't personally get on with. They pick people that they think might be a bit too loud or that they might be they might think are a bit too quiet. But none of it's really based on anything factual. Now, we have to talk about we have to talk about something. <laughs> we have to talk about spelling. Come on. Like stick with me. The spellings of people's names on their little slates with their chalk is wild. Now, right, I get it. One or two people might misspell a name. Maybe if it's a name you haven't heard before. Come on. Michael spelled as Michelle. Um, I think every single person who held up a name on their slate spelled the names Geraldine and Michael 
in utterly unique and distinctive ways. No two spellings were the same. Can't can't they just put their names up on a big board or something? Can't they have name tags? What's wrong with a name tag? Can't they have a sticker that just spells the name properly? I mean, I suppose it does give us some entertainment to see all these insane spellings, but it does bother me. What I also notice about this, and a lot of people online have been noticing this, the contestants are very emotional very quickly. Um, Kate tells Michael she loves him, um, but while voting for him, by the way, she holds up his name and then says, Michael, I love you. Um... Andy is crying. Andy is crying in the first round table. She votes for Michael and cries apologising. They they don't know each other that well. Why are they crying? I'm confused. But um, I'm not there. I don't know what it's like. I've not been in the trailers. So maybe, maybe the emotion overtakes you. As the votes go round, you know, it's not a surprise that it's going to be split between Geraldine and Michael and Geraldine ends up with 11 votes and Michael ends up with 8 votes so Geraldine has been banished and of course announces that she is a faithful. The response from the group is so morose, so glum. I think they really, no wonder, they feel sorry for Geraldine. I felt sorry for Geraldine watching it. Poor Geraldine. She was banished because she was quiet and didn't want to look at people. Um, and everybody piled on her. Poor Geraldine, off she goes. Um, Alan comes in at this point as well um, <laughs> and says, We have a proverb in Scotland. Ours are a time's shaft and one comes winged with death. Re- really, Alan? This is a proverb? I, I, I've, I've lived in Scotland my whole life. I've never heard this. Maybe I'm just ignorant. Maybe it's me. I've never heard anyone say that ever. Uh However, even better than Alan's quote is Brandy, who, minutes after poor Geraldine has been kicked out, announces, Who wants a glass of wine? And, We can't apologise every time. I don't feel bad about it. So, Brandy is now channeling Kate in the mission from earlier. She is unfazed, unbothered, doesn't care. We move on. Tonight's murder discussion amongst the traitors. They decide Michael is a good target to hide behind, that they shouldn't actually get rid of him, they should keep him. And this introduces this idea of a shield that carries on throughout the season, of using another player to protect you as a traitor because they're such a target, because everybody else already thinks they could be a traitor. Why get rid of them? It's a great idea to keep someone like that around because they cover up the real traitors. So Michael's in. Don't get rid of Michael. Keep him. He's he's taking attention away from the real traitors. Uh, Siri then reveals that Brandy has mentioned Christian's name as a possible traitor. Cody says that Brandy also mentioned Siri. So Brandy seems to be onto the traitors. She's talking about Christian. She's talking about Siri. Therefore, the traitors decide Brandy perhaps has to go. She's too clever. She's figuring things out. She's mentioning their names already in episode two. And we end the episode with Brandy being the only name discussed for murder. So there we have it, episode two of The Traitors US. Overall thoughts, uh, I am enjoying it at this point. I'm still getting to know all of the players. Uh, At some point in this episode, Angelica appeared and I thought, who are you? I have never seen you before. What is your name? But, you know, there are 20 contestants. 
it makes sense. We don't know them all straight away. So we're still getting to know people. Um, there are some standout players already in terms of editing and who's been given focus. Uh, Kate, Brandy, Michael, as well as your three traitors, Sari, Christian and Cody. Alan is still giving us everything we need from a host uh, and playing up the Scottish Macbeth, murder mystery, fabulous outfits, all of that stuff. And, of course, the round table seems to have followed the pattern of other series of the traitors from around the world, in which we immediately get rid of a faithful. They do not figure out who a traitor is first week. That would be too easy. So, Geraldine is banished. The faithfuls are feeling pretty terrible about themselves because they got it completely wrong. And Michael surely is still a target. So I can't wait to see episode three. At this point, I would normally ask my guest some questions, so I'll ask you instead, and you can let me know. How would you have voted at this round table if you were a traitor? Would you have followed the crowd with Geraldine? Would you have followed the crowd with Michael? Would you have thrown out some other name? What would your tactic be? Who do you think will be murdered next? Is it going to be Brandy, as the final discussion suggests? And who is floundering? Who do you think is struggling, either as a traitor or a faithful? Get in touch, let me know. Episode 3, I will be joined by an actual guest who is not just my alter ego or my childhood imaginary best friend, Pepsi. (laughs) True story. Um, And no, it will be an actual human guest who's going to join me and I can't wait to talk to them about the next episode. In the meantime, you have been lied to. Yes, I was playing the Tradar Traitor throughout this episode, so at some point I have told you, the listener, a lie. It's your job to figure out what did I fabricate, what did I completely make up. For the final time, you can get in touch on Instagram at the Trader Podcast, Twitter at the Trader Pod, or you can email the Trader Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Leave a review, follow, all that jazz. I'll be back with episode three. Stay faithful. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.